Is that a hand up? Okay. Um, let's get started. The kids will be here in 10 seconds, it seems. Um, so that's a very misleading title. I'm not going to talk about why we should believe. Um, but uh, I think the title, like, Science and Faith is not quite what I want to talk about either. So, uh, But that's going to be the main focus, kind of like uh, when people have doubts and uh, scientific reasons are part of that doubt or the lack of proof of God is part of that doubt, that's what we're going to hopefully talk about today very briefly. Look at that. Oh, it worked. Uh, so that's just a cartoon. Um, I, have, I like cartoons, so I'm just going to put a bunch of them in here. I know. <laughs> I'm going to crack myself up more than you guys will laugh. That's always the case. All right, so why are we talking about uh, why we should believe? We're all theoretical. I mean, we just celebrated litur liturgy. Theoretically, everyone in this room um, is buying into this to some degree at least. Um, but there are actually a lot of reasons to talk about this. For one thing, we might be servants um, of older children or young adults. We might be parents of older children or young adults who are starting to ask questions and starting to maybe indicate that uh, their faith is... Um, waning a little bit, um, for, for lack of a better word. So certainly young people are often presented uh, by us, unfortunately, or by, you know, Protestant America or by whatever with religion that's not attractive to them at all. Um, so they see the effects of uh, religiosity and it's, and it's not palatable to them. And so a lot of young people, um, that, that's a starting point for a lot of young people to, uh, to question their faith, really, and understandably so. I certainly did. Uh, there's uh, an increasing perceived uh, tension between science and religion, um, and I, you know, again, this is the root of much doubt, I think, um, and they, or we, might find accepting both science and faith to be a contradiction. We might think we have to pick a side, and that puts us in a tension, because if we pick religion, then we're just dumb, um, and if we pick science, then we abandon our faith, and it seems like these two are incompatible. Um, and we sometimes have doubts that are unrelated to those things, and of course that's okay. I think um, as Egyptians or as Coptic Orthodox people, we freak out. Um, as traditional sort of apostolic religious people, we freak out when um, children have doubts or when we have doubts, um, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. It's a healthy part of uh, the spiritual life. And if nothing else, we should always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks the reason for the hope in us, uh, as uh, St. Peter says. So um, the defense of sort of faith, the defense of anyone, of anything really, of any um, ideology is called uh, an apology or apologetics. Um, not like I'm sorry apology, but a defense of some concept. And usually apologetics refers to a defense of faith. So it's a discipline which attempts to clarify, defend, and rationally explain to the extent possible, some of the most fundamental, there's another Calvin and Hobbes cartoon there, uh, some of the most fundamental questions of faith, like, is there a God, right? So this is among the most fundamental. Um, were we created, which kind of goes hand in hand, because some people um, enter into um, a deity or a, or a higher power if there is creation. Um, so those two tend to be linked. Why is there evil and pain in the world? You know, these are kind of the big ones, and of course there are tons of others. So apologetics is a, is a discipline which tries to um, clarify, uh, or at least, you know, discuss some of these things. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This, and I've seen these a million times too, I just can't not laugh. Uh, this one says, this pamphlet is blank, and then the woman said, we're atheists. <laughs> They're going door to door giving a blank paper. Um, I know, right? I mean, those are hilarious. All right, so um, can we prove the existence of God? I can tell you, and I'm not going to go into my personal story that much, but uh, when I started college, I started having these doubts for a number of reasons, and I, I was freaked out about that because my faith was a big part of my upbringing. Uh, my religion was a big part of my upbringing. I'll put it that way. And so when I started having doubts, it was really um, psychologically, you know, unsettling for me. So I asked a lot of people, like, hey, why do you believe this? I, I asked people from my church that I grew up in, why do you believe this? You know, help me out because I'm having a hard time. And everyone, most people, and I don't blame them, set out to try to prove why I should. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. Can we prove that we should believe this? And... Uh, my answer is no. You can't prove God. And I'll uh, attempt to convince you of that here. He's by ver uh, in a very essential way, by essence, because of who he is, what God is, who God is, beyond proof. If he were not beyond proof, then he wouldn't be much of a God, I think. Um, more <laughs> cartoons. Um, so uh, science, this says, uh, science and religion finally agree. The end is near. Uh, someone holding a Bible, and then global warming, the end is near. All right. Um, so science is um, a way of knowing about the observable world. That's an important point. Uh, we approach things that we can observe, not just, you know, visually, but observe in any, but with any sense, um, uh, scientifically. And uh, scripture is about the non-observable world, world, by definition. So these are just different scopes. It's not that, you know, one is the right way of looking at... These are two different ways of looking at truth, really. Science is about discovery, whereas Scripture is about revelation, and that's a different thing. That's a different way of knowing something. Um, that's a different epistemology, and epistemology is a way we know something. Um, omniscience, um, knowing everything, omnipotence, being able to do everything, and omnipresence, being everywhere, are physically, biologically, cosmically impossible. And therefore, they are beyond the scope of science. So if we believe these things of God, that he is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, or omnipotent, then how can we hope to encapsulate him um, in the observable, um, in the possible, right? In the physical. <clears throat> So, and this is a point of tension. Um, many people don't think this is the case, that one can engage in science without believing in God. Well, that's, we have no, hard, no problem accepting that. But one does not have to abandon God in order to engage in science, and that might be a tougher sell. Um, belief is a matter of faith, I contend, not a matter of science. And I, I think it's problematic, and I hear preachers in our church try to confuse or I hear them confuse the two, and I think that's problematic because it breaks down, and the young people who are their audience get that. They understand that this doesn't work, trying to make faith a matter of science. Creation is a miracle by definition. Something out of nothing is impossible, right? So if we try to prove that this happened, we're going to have a hard time. Um, so there'll be a limit to what science can discover about creation. 
But creation is ultimately where people sort of start when trying to ask, does God exist? Um, how did I get here? How did life get here? If we can answer that question, then I'll know if God exists or not. Were we created? Um, can we see evidence of creation if we're looking for it? Yes. If I believe we were created, then I can look at creation and see it all as evidence of that. If I don't, I'm not going to see it as evidence of creation. It is not in itself evidence. Um, I don't think there'll ever be proof of creation. The best evidence, I think, of creation or that we were created is that the other story is improbable. It's not impossible. And again, I would urge any of you who are ser servants not to say, oh, it's impossible that this happened. It's not impossible. It's just very unlikely that random mutation and time led to what we have here. It's just improbable. So even if someday, though, it becomes less improbable, let's say scientists come up with really good explanations for how the first cell came to be, which we don't have right now, good explanations for that. Even if scientists are able to come with a good hypothesis as to how the first cell might have, you know, come to be, okay, maybe that's physically how it happened. It doesn't touch belief in creation, and this is what I will argue um, today. So scientific claims should not and do not have the power to stand against faith, is what I will argue. Um, and I urge young people not to come to faith because it was proven to them, and not to leave faith because it wasn't. It doesn't work that way. All right, so <clears throat> let's touch on creation. How are we created? Is Genesis historical? A historical record is the account in Genesis 1 and 2 historical. How do we reconcile the Bible account with scientific information about, for example, the age of the, of the universe, the formation of the universe, and with the theory of evolution. I should have had these on there. So is it that one on the left, that God breathed life into man and into all creation? He uttered words. Um, or is this the story? And by the way, um, the one on the right isn't exactly what science would claim either. But All right. So let's talk about whether we should look at the Bible um, as truth and whether we should look, what kind of truth we should see the Bible as, right? So uh, the story in Joshua, and there's a little picture of it there, where the sun and mood, nope, moon stood still until God brought vengeance against their enemies, which I also have, I think, a problem with it. That's a, put a pin in that part. The sun stood still in the sky, it says in Joshua. The sun stood still in the sky in the midst of heaven and did not set in the west until the end of one day. All right, so this is described in Joshua. Um, is this a scientific fact that the sun stood still? What would have to be true in order for us to be standing here and the sun to stand still? Right. It would have to be that the sun moves around us, right? The sun moves around us and God stopped it. Do we think the sun moves around us now? We don't, okay? At the time, it was very much, in fact, for thousands of years thereafter, the truth was that the sun went around the earth. And honestly, that's what it seems like. I mean, every, all of our powers of observation indicate that 
the sun, which is there in the morning and there later on in the day and there later on in the day is moving. I mean, that's, we all, every human on earth sees the same exact phenomenon. The sun is going around the earth. And are we moving? I mean, sometimes I, you know, have that sensation, but that's for other reasons. Um, we're not, <laughs> none of us have that sense that we're hurtling very quickly actually around the sun, but we understand that to be true. And no one in this room has done the math on this, by the way. We just accept that that's true, right? That we're going around the earth. At the time, they certainly didn't know it. But look at this language. It's very clear. The sun stood still in the sky. Every person on earth at the time of Joshua's siege, can you even read this? I can't, and I'm standing right here. All right. Every person on the face of the earth at the time of Joshua's siege on Jericho would have attested to seeing the same exact sight, the sun standing still in the sky. This is absolutely what they witnessed with every power of observation available to them. They were not delusional. They were not lying. They had anonymous, unanimous consent is what that's supposed to say. And they were wrong. The sun did not stand still in the sky. What happened? I don't know. God stopped the earth from moving or something. Okay. I don't know how he did it. And that's the theme. I don't know how he did it. But the sun didn't stand still. Uh, relative to those observing it, the sun did stand still. Um, it isn't metaphor, okay? It's not like it's a metaphor for what happened. It's literal. It's literally what happened, but it's not scientifically true. And that's okay. It shouldn't be. It doesn't need to be. If every word of the Bible were to be taken scientifically, we'd have to say that this verse represents either ignorance, like the people who wrote the Bible were dumb, or, um, an unacceptable departure from the truth. We'd have no choice but to question the author's authority or fidelity um, and the writing's authenticity as having been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't the Holy Spirit know how this works scientifically? Why wouldn't the Holy Spirit have said uh, the earth stopped rotating on its axis and so it looked to you like the sun stopped moving, but that's not really what happened. That would have been ridiculous, right? This isn't, that's not the point of the text. So instead we should ask ourselves, uh, why do we want every word to be scientifically true? Should they be? Okay. So I just made this point. Should the Holy Spirit have guided the author to write that he could not possibly comprehend what the author could not possibly have comprehended at the time? Uh, what would have been the purpose of a biblical count with literal references to the heliocentricity of the solar system, which human beings did not, would not know about for millennia after that? What would be the purpose other than to create confusion and result in the loss of the message? So do we say then that this passage um, is untrue just because it isn't scientific? No, no one would say this isn't true. But it's not scientific, and that's okay. The important part is that it's the truth. So then let's apply it, the same logic to Genesis 1 and 2, and I don't know why we have such a problem doing this. People uh, get in into camps, right? Are you in the six-day camp, the young earth camp? Are you a literal interpretist, or do you have to? Why does it have to be that way? Why does Genesis 1 and, 1 and 2 have to be uh, scientific for it to be absolutely, literally true? It doesn't. So God created everything from nothing. This is true. He made man in his image. This is true and man fell and required salvation. This is true. This is the truth of Genesis 1 and 2. This is the point of Genesis 1 and 2. The point of the story in Joshua is to say that God did this miracle. That's the point of it. And it is true, and it is literally true. 
Um, so the Bible's many things. It's history, it's parable, it's poetry, it's didactic, it's lamentations and praise, right? Um, it's prophecy, it's revelation. Um, not remotely all of it is meant to be literal. Uh, the Orthodox Church says very little about how we're to, to understand the first chapters of Genesis. Believe it or not, the Orthodox Church does not take a stance on this, um, the interpretation of these chapters. The Church never teaches us um, that the account in Genesis should, Genesis should be understood in a literal sense, that God created all of creation in six 24-hour days. It's not for the Church to dogmatize whether or not the Genesis account is a poetical reflection or something else, but we do believe and have to believe it is true. So then why do we find it so hard to imagine that it's not literal? Uh, why do we learn about what scientists have discovered in the natural world and, it, and think that it can't be compatible with the essential truth of creation? The church perceives this conflict, which occurs in the West, as an artificial one and does not see any reason that we should be forced to take one side over the other. There's no reason to do that. The word day in Genesis gets lots of attention, so a lot of people reconcile this by saying, okay, it wasn't a 24-hour day, but then there are holes in that. You know, if you talk to a scientist and say, okay, well, but the sun wasn't made until day four, but then what about after day four? There's all these issues with kind of trying to make it fit the science. It doesn't have to fit the science. None of it's an issue unless we require that the Bible be a scientific book. Why aren't you in Sunday school? I'm glad that's on the recording. Um, this is not a biology book, this. It's a, it's a book of revelation. And if we keep looking at, at it as a biology book, we're, we're going to miss the message. We're actually going to miss what's important about, the Genesis, about Genesis 1 and 2. The creation story is important because it's our salvation story. It's the beginning of our salvation story. The truth of the creation and fall and need for salvation are not just important for our faith, they're critical, in fact. Uh, Genesis 1 isn't a metaphor, but it just isn't science. Or, yeah, it, it doesn't sound, it, it's clearly not a, a, a detailed scientific um, account of creation. It can't be, and it shouldn't be. All right, so um, <laughs> that's another one. Man evolved just to dump trash back into the primordial waters. Okay. Uh, the theory of evolution is very well supported. I mean, it just is. Science, we can't say anything in science with definitive anything, right? We're every, every statement we make is a statement of probability in science. We make conclusions based on probability. You're taking a blood pressure drug. I didn't mean to point to you, Janet. Your, your blood pressure is perfect, I'm sure. But because some studies were done, and with some probability, this blood pressure drug lowers blood pressure. And it's with some probability, that's all we ever say about anything. Scientific conclusions are always probabilistic. Um, uh, but the theory of evolution, as probabilistic theories go, is pretty good. It's as good as a lot of the ones we have, right? Um, there's a huge preponderance of physical and biological evidence that supports this hypothesis. There are holes in it as there are in many hypotheses, um, but that doesn't mean it's not true. It's a pretty good working guess right now. It has many ele elements that are scientifically sound and many that are less so, as with most grand hypotheses in science. Uh, even if those that aren't so sound right now become more scientifically uh, viable, there's no threat to the truth of Genesis unless we decide there's a threat
All right, well, that's not working anymore. George, George here? I can't go in. I have shoes and other things. I can't believe that. I mean, I can. Yeah, I know. There it is. Henry saves the day. Um, all right, so uh, the theory of evolution has nothing really to do, or accepting it has nothing to do with whether or not God exists or creates. Common descent, which is a big part of the theory, and DNA evidence are extremely scientifically plausible. Uh, the advent of life from non-life, really bad. The science on this is really bad. It's hard to show that, some, that life could have randomly come from nothing. There are hypotheses on that, but they're not real. there's not good evidence there. There is good evidence for other parts of this. Um, the probability of complexity arising from randomness is very, very low, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, that we were created is a matter of faith. It was a miracle. So the science just can't touch that. That God loved us so much he made us and died for us makes actually no logical sense. Um, but logic isn't the currency we need to be dealing with here. And there's a problem with having a problem with science. Okay, that one's hard to read, but it's making fun of creationists. It says, there are indications that the world is not as old as we are told. For instance, at the bottom of the world, it says made in China. Uh, it is also made from a form of plastic, which was not around until 1943. So that's what, this is a cartoon making fun of creationists. Uh, because you're, you have to be that dumb to think that the earth is 6,000 years old, right? And so I'm not saying we don't want to be dumb, so let's just accept whatever. But when, when faced with evidence, our faith doesn't require us to close our eyes. That's not what we're supposed to. It's not what we're called to do. And that's harmful. That's bad. And it's harmful for the youth. It's harmful for your kids in science classes who are hearing these things from their science teachers whom they trust. And they think they have to disagree with that, and they don't. What, what matters here? Um, to what extent the account of creation in Genesis is historical, we don't know. How and when each of us becomes a person, we don't know. I mean, if we think about it, uh, the creation of an individual in the womb is also a mystery. We know the science behind that very well, but when do we get a soul? It's easy to say the moment of conception, because it's hard to say any other time, really. But there are problems with that. Um, for example, identical twinning occurs after conception. Uh, so an in, a single egg cell exists, is fertilized, so an egg cell is fertilized by a sperm cell, there's a single cell, and then it goes through a few divisions, cell divisions, before it splits into two. And then those are two people. So did God put two souls in that first cell or something? How does that even work? There's no, we can't put science on this. We can't make this physical, this non-physical thing. It's a, it's a miracle how each of us exists. So why do we demand that we know the process scientifically for the creation of the world? If man, you know, came from some lower, or has ancestors that were lower beings, okay, then God did it some way that's mysterious. I don't know. I don't need to know. It doesn't matter. The argument is that 
other than as a matter of intellectual interest, which I think we should be curious about this, there's nothing wrong with curiosity exploration, it doesn't matter. The important points are these, God made everything out of nothing and humans are unique. They were made in his image. The details of creation don't matter. They're not relevant to our salvation, which is in no uncertain terms the only thing that matters. So that's actually the last slide, which is kind of perfect. I do have a video clip from The Case for Christ. Um, it's a great movie if you haven't seen it and a great book. Um, it upsets me because the um, audio and video are not well-timed. So should I show it? Okay, I'll show it and I'll be mad, but whatever. That's just my lot in life. Yeah, I don't know how to make that work. Nope. Okay, so bear with the mismatch between the audio and the video. Oh, is there sound? No? Yeah, it's not going to play. Okay. Henry, there's no sound. Try to watch this movie. Um, it basically talks about, so this conversation, this, uh, this man here is Lee Strobel, or he's the actor playing Lee Strobel, who's, um, who was a real person. He was a reporter and an atheist. And his wife, through a series of events, was converted to Christianity, and uh, this was problematic for him. He found it to be a cult um, and that she was brainwashed. So he started using his powers of, as an investigative reporter to investigate the resurrection. Like, did this historical event happen? Because if the resurrection happened, everything else kind of falls into place. Um, if it didn't, this is problematic. Um, and he comes up with a lot of really good circumstantial evidence for the resurrection. Like, it's pretty good historical evidence. But all historical evidence is still probabilistic. It's not enough, I don't think, to bring somebody to faith who isn't there, there's one person who does that, and that's the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and one has to want it to get it. Um, and I don't think, even Lee Strobel, he had this, he didn't prove his way into faith. He was seeking the truth, and God gave him the faith. That's how it worked. That's how it worked for me, um, and that's how it always works. I, I urge you to watch this movie. Nathaniel's Thumbs, thumbs upping me, so I got the 11-year-old thumbs up, which means everything. You're 12. He's 12. Oh, mortal sin. All right, uh, that's it. Any thoughts? Any conversation? Questions? Yes. Hi. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, passionate topic of Guna Wood this week, and actually, it's funny because yesterday I the way up to uh, Santee and ends up in being in San Diego and they had the um, Creation Museum and I'm a teacher, I'm a biology teacher so I understand the stigma around young earth creationists and I and I know all the different, like the theistic evolution versus like the old age creationists, like I, I know the whole spectrum, but to be honest like that like academia um, like as I was growing sorry one second uh, as I was uh, taking my uh, biology classes, not there's every single, like they always misrepresented it, to the point that um, sorry one second, um, they always misrepresented it to the point that nobody would actually look into it 
uh, because it's like, oh, that's just like pseudoscience, like don't worry about that. But I have over $1,000 that I spent last night and I have more books at home and there are so many uh, very credible scientists or people who have a lot of, um, like they have multiple PhDs and they don't, they don't support evolution. There are not only many holes, it's actually, like I would have loved to see the evidence that you're talking about because there isn't, like a lot of it is, uh, there is a lot of fraud. There's even um, factories in China that make fake fossils. So can you guys, oh, this is like really, so I, I, just I don't know if anybody uh, interested in just maybe also another alternative point of view. I have all the books in my trunk, uh, in the car that I, that I'm, that I basically, um, like in the car that I'm renting on this trip. And I, it's just funny because I, there's so much evidence actually. Um, and I think that once you stigmatize a group of people, nobody is open-minded enough to actually start reading into it. And what ends up happening is you're like, oh no, no, that like the, the, those like, th they're not the mainstream. They're not the, this is not scientific consensus, whatever, whatever. But I think, like, as Christians, like, I think it is very important, actually, this topic, because as a science teacher and somebody who talks to a lot of people, this is the one topic that does affect people's faith. Because, of course, like you said, if, if Genesis is not true, then the rest isn't. And the reason this makes me very passionate is because, like, as I, as I was reading the Bible, um, like, Jesus said, if you don't believe the words that Moses wrote about me, then you're not going to believe anything else. So if, if you kind of brush off Genesis and well, everything is metaphorical, which I don't think it is because, um, first of all, there's so much, um, well, first of all, Jesus himself, he um, spoke of Adam as a historical person, and he spoke of Noah as a historical person, and there is so much evidence for the flood of Noah, so much, like, the books I have, they're not like 101 easy whatever books. They're really like meticulous books. Like you can come outside with me and I'll show you. And so I don't know. I just feel um, I respect what you're saying. And I and yes, um, I think at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit, it's not about the facts. And I agree with you. It's not just about facts, facts, facts. It's, it's, it's really about the Holy Spirit revealing themselves in somebody. But I also think, like, you know, God told us, like, God wants us to love him with our hearts, our minds, and our souls, right? And our mind, that's our way of loving God. And by, um, like, learning and not just saying, okay, just, you know, this is faith, this is faith, this is faith. I think God wants us to be smart because, for example, St. Augustine, um, he, his mom was a very spiritual woman, but she could never convert him to the faith because he just needed someone like St. Ambrose who was intellectual. And so um, some people, that's the way that they get to God. Like, you can tell them how sweet Jesus is all you want, but, like, unless it makes sense, like, unless it, like, clicks, then they're going to think it's just, like, it's just a random religion. Um, I just want to say something. I'm also a biology teacher, and I have a master's in apologetics. Um, so I just want to clarify when we talk about Genesis that we don't take it metaphorically. We take it allegorical. So the difference of allegorical is we take what it's saying and there's hidden meanings behind it. So we do take it as fact in certain scopes. Like when we're talking about history, when we're talking about people's names, we do take it historically. At the same time, though, even Christ himself used parables, right? He goes, I am the branch. D do we think Christ is a branch? Do, you, do we think that he produced fruit in himself? 
physical fruit? No. So we have to decipher when it is, there's a meaning of fact, and then there's also a meaning of allegory, right? So we, we, we take both. So I just, wanna, I just wanna clarify that. Thank you, Hannah. There's another. Just want to add to the, uh, to the books that have a lot, there are a lot, of, a lot of books that talks about that as well. Um, there is a lot of videos uh, on YouTube that actually people are uh, explaining how this could be scientific. You know, science back in the time that wasn't actually explaining a lot about what we see right now. So even, um, even science develop, right? Find different facts. So eventually I think what's going to happen is gonna, we're going to find out about the, the truth in the Bible. It's going to be actually proven scientifically. Maybe not right now. We're not at the end of the days yet, right? But as we develop, uh, or if I would say, like evolve, we're going to find more about how God was right from the beginning, right? Uh, Ashraf, do you still have a question? Ashraf has. First of all, I really love the presentation. Thank you, Mary. I disagreed with all of it, but I really, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, <laughs> I, but more importantly, I love the discussion. Um, it's really great points being raised. I, I would like uh, just to say something and see if you agree with it. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to, you know, uh, say that faith is a gift and it's Christ and the, his spirit that pulls people. And, you know, t t not that you're taking this attitude, but so some would take the attitude of none of this really matters. It's an interesting debate. Uh, I think that uh, a big part of faith is our own approach to it. Uh, even the Lord says, search the scriptures, for example, and there you will find me. Uh, or St. Paul talks about the labor of faith, your labor of faith and your work of faith, and believe in the Holy Spirit, which is an act. Um, believe and you will be saved, sorry. So the, the idea is, is, I think there's a, there's a natural inclination for us to ask questions uh, and to uh, find God in those questions or not find God in qu uh, those questions and then his spirit will work in us. So I, I think a lot of these questions are legitimate and I leave it to the experts like you and Henry and others to, to come up with kind of good answers. Um, but uh, I, I myself would encourage people to think about this more and more and more e even if they don't have good answers uh, because that could activate their own faith in a way and the last thing I'll say is that, I mean, the science, or maybe that's not the right word, but the apologetics is as old as, you know, even, even before modern science. The idea of early, the early church defending the existence of God amongst the pagans, amongst even the Jewish notions of God, just based on logic, just based on the rational imprint that, uh, you know, each of us has. So I think that's a good and holy thing. Um, and then, you know, as, as, as somebody said, you know, we'll ultimately know in the end, um, or as St. Gregory of Nyssa says, that we're always reaching for that knowledge, and that never stops, you know, even at the end. Sorry, I spoke too much. No, I totally agree. I actually totally agree with all of that, and I, I have personal experience with that. It's only because I started asking these questions, and because I became passionate about the subject, that that door was even open to me. And I also agree with, oh, the Canadian... It was, I mean, I felt so bad. Her children were literally climbing her as she was trying to speak. I was like, girl, I feel you. Um, yeah, I, I, I came to faith via this investigation, for sure. But the clincher was, first of all, no one ever proved it to me. And secondly, I had to ask for it. I had to say, okay, I want to believe this now. 
and it is it is absolutely a gift, but you have to participate. You have to want it. Yeah, and that comes in lots of forms. I totally agree with that. Other thoughts? George? Mitch? I, uh, I'm no biologist. I don't have a master's degree like Henry and the Canadian girl. But a uh, couple of things I, about creation. Um, I understand that people laugh when we learn all oh, that. Earth is only 6,000 years per Bible, and that's ridiculous. That cannot be true because you test it. There's no chance that would be 6,000 years old. So that kind of draws me to two things. Um, the first one uh, in the New Testament, Christ uh, performed his first miracle when he converted water into fine wine, aged wine. And, and, and if you really look into that deeply, you'll see the wine would just converted at that second, at that moment, but yet when you taste it, it is aged wine. So how is that possible? It was just created, but yet it is aged. Uh, isn't that possible that the earth Absolutely. created 6,000 years ago, Absolutely. but yet it is aged? Of course. And, and when we look at another aspect, too, when we look into um, Adam, he was not created as a baby. He did not go through a progression of growth from infant to he was created adult so what is wrong if the if the earth would be just created and it's aged mature yeah, right? nothing at all absolutely I, I i may have misrepresented my perspective i'm not saying i know for sure that this happened the theory of evolution has lots of holes in it in fact uh how life came from non-life there's very there's no good answer for that um but so i what i'm saying is no matter how it happened it's a mystery and we believe that we were created, and that's the important thing. I also want to clarify, uh, in terms of the timeline, whether it's 13.4 billion or 6,000 years, none of it goes against the faith of what we believe in Genesis. Because when he says a day, we don't know what that reference was, because in the Hebrew text, the, the vocabulary was so small, a day can mean literally 24 hours, or it can mean eons or eras. We don't know what day meant because the Hebrew was so minimal. So we have to understand the context. So if we don't know what yom is, which is day in Hebrew, then we can't say anything scientific about it because we're limited in what he was using at the time because Hebrew was not extensive, was not extensive at the time. So that day can mean anything. So I just want to clarify that. Well, I, think, I think to Mitch's point, it's... Uh, the evidence suggests that the earth is old. That is true. Could it just look old and not be old? Of course. Of course. Of course that's on the table. Yeah. But what I, my, I have a problem is ignoring that the evidence says it looks old. It does. And ignoring that and trying to say, no, that's not true, that's problematic, I think. A, uh, we don't know like the t how the time worked at that time, right? So if we're talking about a day on, on Earth, it's different than any other planet, right? Because of the volume matter. So when the Genesis were written at that time, we don't know like if we're talking about God, what volume we're talking about. So we don't know how, the, like the, how many hours on that day. So if we're talking about like uh, anywhere in the space, it could be different, like the time could be work different, completely different than on Earth. It doesn't mean like 24 hours, right? 
All right, thank you everybody so much. Abuna, where'd he go? Oh, you did. All right. uh, God hears as we pray with all thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, thy kingdom and the power and the glory forever.